Welcome to SCN2A Insights, bringing you the latest research and clinical updates on SCN2A and genetic epilepsy from around the world. So welcome to this episode of SCN2A Insights. I'm David Cunnington. And I'm Chris Pearce. And in this episode, we're going to talk about a recent genetic epilepsy roundtable that was held here in Australia amongst a range of different uh, stakeholders really to try and look at what some of the issues are in the provision of services around genetic epilepsy and developmental and epileptic encephalopathies. Who better to talk to than Chris, the convener of the roundtable? So apart from being a co-host of this podcast, Chris was really the perfect person to bring together a range of different stakeholders in healthcare because Chris has got background as a nurse, so as a provider of healthcare and background in running public health programs in a number of different healthcare settings, both in the community and hospital settings, experienced both as a consumer of healthcare, you know, as parents of a child with special needs and genetic epilepsy, uh, we consume a lot of healthcare. And Chris has been a patient representative over a number of years on high level quality committees and providing input to a range of different health services. So the perfect person. Chris, what was actually the need? What sort of made you want to pull together this Genetic Epilepsy Roundtable? The Genetic Epilepsy Roundtable came together from the group Getter, of which we're part of. SCN2A Australia is one of the founding members of, of Getter, along with two other families that represent KCNQ2 and Syngap. And we've run an annual conference for the last three years. And over that time, both at the conference and talking with families and, of course, through our own personal experiences, we've found that there's a lot of gaps in the system and there are a lot of frustrations and there are a lot of hurdles to overcome. And we often, as parents, are finding that we're fighting the system constantly. So we brought this together to try and uncover what the issues were from a whole range of people, from those accessing services, so family members, patient advocates. We had clinicians there, neurologists, genetic counsellors. We had people from the Epilepsy Foundry. So a wide range of stakeholders came together to try and uncover what the current issues are. And then this this was just really to uncover what they are and then the next steps will be taken. We're currently writing up a white paper as a result of the roundtable. So why set up this meeting at all, Chris? So the purpose of the roundtable was to gather a realistic picture of the current experiences of people and families living with genetic epilepsy. And some of the key objectives were to find a platform to share lived experiences and the daily impact of genetic epilepsy, to gather information to help inform the health and disability sectors about what families and patients affected by genetic epilepsies and related disorders experience, and also identify some priority areas and inform the next step. So when it all came together on the day, how did it all run? Prior to the day, Dr Catherine Howe and Dr Stephanie Best and I got together and worked out how we would run the day. Obviously, we're very grateful to both those professionals for giving their time towards this. They both saw that there was a need and threw themselves behind this project. And we worked through some subjects and themes that we wanted to go over and we broke those up into four different sessions within the afternoon and we broke the participants into two groups and they were talking about the same things at sometimes and then at other times we were talking about different subjects. In structuring your meeting going in, what were the main themes that you divided the sessions up into? So the main themes were diagnosis of epilepsy and its underlying cause. So what were the challenges around diagnosis? How were they managed? Did that go well? Did you have access to genetic counselling? That was the first theme. The second theme was management of epilepsy. So the treatment of epilepsy and then also the logistics of the treatment of epilepsy. 
The third one was genetic epilepsy or DEs as we, we know them are not just epilepsy. So what did that broader scope of comorbidities look like and how were they being managed within the health system? So we looked at development and behaviour and also general paediatric and other medical care. The fourth theme was the whole child, the whole family. So looking at the whole child, what were the issues now and what were the issues in the future? So we looked at transition, education, the NDIS, which is an insurance scheme here. And then the second group looked at the whole family and what were the issues of family. So like support for siblings, grandparents, mental health support. So obviously all these things were discussed and there was lots of different views from the range of stakeholders. Now that you're looking into pulling things together for the white paper, what were the main outcomes from the meeting? The major theme, like the overriding theme that really came out across all of those four themes that we talked about was that this is a complex presentation and the families are not getting that complex care coordination. And so they're looking for coordination of care. They're looking for contact points when things go wrong. They're looking for people within the hospital system to help them coordinate the care. These families are often seeing, you know, a handful, if not more, specialists, neurologists, gastroenterologists, respiratory, you name it. These families are are seeing a whole gamut of, of medical professionals, both allied health professionals and, and medical. And so the, the overriding thing that came up with both the medical professionals in, in the roundtable and also the parents was coordination of care. So that's often a theme that comes up in a range of different healthcare settings, not just in Australia, lots of other healthcare systems. So then apart from that coordination and trying to focus on that, what were some of the other things that came out of the meeting? So one of the other key themes was communication, and that, that's across a broad range of issues. Participants are looking for greater communication between families and clinicians, and between also between clinicians and clinicians. So medical professionals not working in silos, there is that coordination, not only between the family and medical professions, but also between between clinicians and the ability to provide family support through that communication. So one of the other communication points that were made by particularly family members was a better way to document seizures so that can be shared across health professionals, education institutes and family members. They wanted to see more education of parents about drugs and their effectiveness and also their side effects. The group also wanted to see an increase in partnerships between parents and clinicians, which will only have better outcomes for the patient. So really looking for ways to share communication through better documentation, better communication, you know, hoping for better outcomes at the minute. Parents feel like they're working by themselves and always sort of fighting the system to understand better. I can really relate to that (laughs) documentation. When you and I went with uh, Will and we were running through the natural history study, trying to piece together which drugs he was on at what time and when what seizures. And, you know, we, we had some idea of trying to recall some of those things, but just incredibly complex. So having that documented with all those things lined up and accessible for everybody would have been really helpful. And there's some great apps that are coming out that I heard about at Global Genes last year on how to document some of these things. And, and it's a really important thing for parents to be able to document what's happening along the way, but it not be too onerous because obviously they've got lots of important things to be doing looking after their medically unstable child. But um, there are things that are coming that will be useful to um, family members, but also patient groups as they try and gather that data. Yeah, it's an interesting point too about some of the anti-epileptic drugs and understanding that. So we've got to take that on board. That's another podcast topic. We'll get someone on 
to talk about that because this is a good forum to tease some of that out and develop a resource around that. Yeah. So one of the other points that came across from all the different genes, so as I said, we had family members there representing different genes and, of course, they all present differently. There's some similarities, but they are all different. But what family members were looking for were some protocols and plans for not only when they come into emergency but also for schools, for GPs, so that when they go somewhere, they're not having to be the doctor. At the minute, because our genetic epilepsy is so rare, we're often taking our child into hospital and explaining what they've got, what it is, what needs to be done. And so that that was one of the things that came up was that if a child regularly visits a hospital, that, that there is a protocol in place. Like this drug doesn't work for SCN2A children. This is the protocol to best suit that child and that gene. And they were also looking for protocols in terms of epilepsy management, behaviour management, where there's specific instructions that can just just ease the process when you're in a crisis situation that just takes the load off the parents because that was one of I guess one of the other key themes that came through is that our parents are feeling pretty broken and uh, one of the physicians in the group asked you know what can we do to ease that burden and the response was fix the system and by that they mean fix the things that make it so hard we shouldn't have to fight for quality care we shouldn't have to fight for that coordination of care it should be in place there are other chronic illnesses that just by history get that coordination of care and that's certainly something that we're working on as a result of this roundtable. It's really good to try and look at what are the issues because that's really the starting point for making things better and moving forward. In a previous episode, we interviewed Dr. Scott Perry from Cook Children's. You know, I really admire from afar the genetic epilepsy service he's set up and the passion and the team he's put together and particularly that transition to adulthood and the adult genetic epilepsy clinics. You know, when we can learn from others and also look at what's not working in our own systems, it's a great opportunity to move forward. Yeah, and, and transition was one of the major issues coming up from families that really there is there is none. And we've been through that process with Will recently where we actually went through a specific transition program at the Children's where we really came out the other end with no referrals to adult physicians, no referral to adult neurologists. We're basically navigating that system ourselves. And we're lucky that we know the system and that we can navigate it, but it shouldn't be that hard. And because genetic epilepsies are now being diagnosed more, this process is going to have to get better as our children's age through the system. So great work finding those sort of key themes and uh, sort of things to move forward with. So what does that look like? Where are you going to take this using this information? Where this is going is evolving because we, we're really running this project off Catherine, Stephanie and I's desire to want to make difference. At the minute, we're writing up a report from the roundtable. We are going to present that to staff at the Royal Children's in a couple of weeks, particularly touching on that coordination of care. Then we're also looking at doing a survey because obviously this roundtable was just you know a handful of representatives of all the stakeholders. We want to broaden that and get as much feedback back from all the genes, cross-section of, of young patients, older patients, and really try and get a much bigger look at what's going on and see if it supports what we found in the roundtable. And then we're going to start lobbying. We'll start lobbying government, whether it be state, federal, to get those supports in place. At the minute, we don't have much. We'll take it one step at a time, but there's certainly a lot of scope to improve things. Congratulations, Chris, on pulling together such a great meeting of people to really help move things forward. And I think between yourself, Catherine and Stephanie, it was just so well organised and this gives us great information to take the next steps in helping to advise and 
improve the healthcare system to provide care for people with genetic epilepsy and developmental and epileptic encephalopathies. So if you're interested in more information on these topics, subscribe to the podcast or let others know in the field that the podcast is available so that they can also uh, keep up to date. And that can be via any of the podcast apps or via Apple Podcasts. And follow us at sen to australia via our social media feeds on Facebook or Twitter at SEN2A Australia. Thanks a lot. Thank you. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for your own independent health professional's advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider within your country or place of residency with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. 